0: Adam Brown, a queer science fiction writer, a mother of dragons, oh. and a healing justice facilitator for social movements living in rural Minnesota.
1: And I'm Adrienne Marie Brown, author of Emergent Strategy, author of Pleasure Activism, and Arya Stark.
0: <laughs> and this <laughs> is How to Survive the End of the World. Our podcast on learning from apocalypse with grace, rigor, and curiosity. Um well, we are here, here in our are. second attempt to record <laughs> a debrief conversation about last night's episode of Game of Thrones. This show is about endings and whoa, what a big deal, massive ending for nice. so many millions of people watching the show um and um adrian and i attempted to record a debrief conversation last night in the immediate aftermath of watching the show um but we were maybe too excited and therefore found out the following morning that there were some like major technical problems with our recording um so we have decided to do it again because it's that important to us um And now we've had, you know, almost 24 hours to really digest um, both like last night's episode, the events of this, of the finale, um, and also to kind of begin to situate how we feel about what happened and what didn't happen in last night's episode. Um, And so we're going to talk about it. Um, Adrienne, do you want to like give us a spoiler frame? Yeah. About what's about to happen? I really do. Um, (laughs) so (laughs)
1: basically, like by the time you're listening to this, it's going to be at least 24 hours after the show aired. And so I really feel like if we're talking about an epic series finale show in the age of the Internet, then I don't want anyone to act like, oh, I'm going to come on to a show that is titled Being About Game of Thrones after the epic series finale and get Spoily, spoil feelings about the fact we're going to talk about everything. And I Literally had this moment earlier today because to. people, someone came on. They're like, "Where's the spoiler alert for like life?" And I'm just like, "Let them eat spoilers." Dracarys, the thing is done. Winter has come. Like you need to get your life together. Like if you're, this is some shows. I also think this like some shows are meant to be watched together in real time. And I feel like that's how Game of Thrones has been presented to us since the very beginning. It's like you need to be on board with what
0: we're doing we're experiencing you need to together. get your people together yes. get your life together exactly and make sure you have access to this when it drops
1: exactly yeah. and i do want i feel like there's going to be some brilliant like mm. some thing that gets created that creates like secret threads of the internet or something like that maybe we can already do that like maybe that's what i'll do for next shows that i want to do this is just be like here's the page where we can all go, and it's a secret group, so we can just talk about stuff in real time. Because to me, right, this is the kind of show where, like, I want to be like, "What the?" Fu-? And I just want to know that, like, all my people are out there,
0: like, "What the fuck?" Right? Together. Yeah. I ran into someone recently who um, was like, "Don't say anything. Don't say anything." I'm still on season five, and I was like, "Good luck." Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> if you're if you're that far behind, then like the idea that you're gonna like make it through exactly. the next year without knowing what happened, I think is like right. good luck. Well, and um, I feel like there's a but also kind of it's like, you know, to the whole thing. Like ahead. I
1: really feel like you know, and, and maybe we should tell people this. But we grew up with a father who, um, still to this day, fully expects to be able to record all sporting events. And then <laughs> watch them on his own time and move through the entire world. Like bars, restaurants, you know, airports, everything. Being very, Not that he goes to bars. He's never been to a bar in his life. But but being very <laughs> upset with anyone who might mess up his experience, the surprise of the game to him. Right? Right. And I'm like, Dad. And we had an experience with him once where we were all going to go see the movie Anaconda. And... I I mentioned something like, here's the description of Anaconda. You know, I was like, it's about a big snake. And he was like, spoilers. You know, I was like, Dad, it's called Anaconda. right Right. like so and I feel like Game of Thrones (laughs) is like that it's like the whole thing is like we're battling for this them thrones and and this is you know so this is where we are so that's the spoiler framing for this is just you know also it's really good work I don't think it's really spoilable like enjoy it just get into it yeah totally but for this show it'll make sense to you much more if you've actually watched all the way through the whole Mm -hmm. thing, because we want to be able to talk in a nuanced way and not be explaining everything for you slow people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we're definitely not going to explain anything that we talk about. Um, So we thought that for this conversation today, we would we would begin, um, you know, just by talking about the things that we're like grateful for about the way the season ended, Um, because obviously this entire this last season of Game of Thrones has been like very complicated for all of us who are like massive fans of the books and of the show. Um, You know, things really went in a different direction narratively than I think a lot of us expected them to. And we'll get into a little bit of, of, of some thoughts and theories about why that is later, but we wanted to start by talking about the things that we like yes. and that we're grateful for, yeah. um, and then we're gonna we're gonna go into the territory of things that we felt maybe you know surprised or disappointed by, um, <laughs> and then we'll. Yeah. A little bit of critique, and then we're going to land with our hopes, our hopes and dreams for the future of the Stark children and other people who survived. That's um, <laughs> <laughs> the dreams. So, um, I just want to start off by saying, like, the main thing I felt really grateful for um, in last night's episode, is. which is that they gave Jon Snow his hairstyle back John at the end. Like you know, that like at he like exit that prison cell and yes. suddenly he's got yes. his full body, yes. gorgeous black locks all over the place again. That's right. And there's just something about it's like, oh, he took off the armor, he put back on his like, you know, um my watch is ended cape and like put his. <laughs> the night cape, yeah. The night <laughs> night cape. <laughs> and, well, his and his hair all out. Like and I'm like, Samson yes. and Delilah
1: to me, too. There's a, an aspect of it that was like, some way he, and I can't wait to get into the whole feminist analysis, but in some way he has been cowing his own power and holding himself back and like holding back what he knows is the truth, right? And then that you see him like, okay, I'm fully back to. I know nothing, mm. but I am good. You know that kind of yeah. Thing. His like hair his hair is like a symbol of his power, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it just reminded mm-hmm. me of like, oh yeah, the first woman he ever loved was a wildling. Like he's, this is a wild man in there. You know? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah.
0: and I mean, fully like I think on on the the look on the fashion tip, I was like really pleased by Sansa Stark's breastplate there at yes. the end when she's being crowned queen I was like I'm here for I was here for her look all season like the the chain across the oh yeah across the breast and all the stuff like I definitely feel like her fashion this season feels like a thread that many of us are potentially about to go follow over the next yeah, 10 years the breastplate thing um, I was like I
1: didn't know I needed that I think I do
0: Yeah, I think we might, I think there may need to be some revolutionary breastplate creations. Um, And also just loved watching her get crowned Queen of the North. Like, that felt very satisfactory. Um, And similarly, like, I really didn't see Bran getting crowned King coming. Like, that came, that was, like, a major surprise to me. Um, But I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed seeing him then, like, show up a little bit later and, like, um, an outfit that had some color in it finally. Like he had <laughs> that blue, like, oh. just very, yeah, he just like, he looked He looked a little fancier, like you a know, little less like, like covered don't know in blankets. I where you got
1: this since the entire um, town has been burned down, but I'm glad that you were able to go shopping. <laughs> I did feel, okay, we're going to get to like Bran as the king. The thing about Bran being the king that I'm down for is that it's a dis- disabled king, right? That I yes. love that like we have a, we end up with a king in a wheelchair and a king who is not, who doesn't want to be king and a king who's not necessarily like one of these charismatic hungry individuals who's been gunning for it and also right. not sort of a typical heroic white man because you know m- Throughout this whole season, I was just like, just don't let it be a white man that ends up on this throne. But then I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Bran, like, didn't see that coming. And I really, I thought it was beautiful, the whole, the way he's like, why do you think I came all this way? Like, it's just like- he saw it
0: coming? Of course he he did. He saw
1: it. He's been watching. And like, then, you know, I felt gratitude for the complexity of what would have had to have been his journey in it, like the choices he made of like- You know, because he had to, he let a lot of people die in the process, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there was just a lot that was like, oh, I have to let Hodor and, you know, all of King's Landing, right? Like, there was just a lot that had to play out that he had to know, like, all of this has to play out. And, but I was like, you know, having a visionary leader who's like, I don't want this. And now all the people who were the most dangerous people have kind of taken each other out, um, That I thought was a really interesting choice. I will say, I know this is not about the finale itself, but I do want to say the Battle of Winterfell to me in this season was a beautiful and and I think a perfect episode for me.
0: And Mm. I felt like Mm -hmm.
1: as an organizing analogy episode, that was the one that I was like, I think people need to really pay attention to because it was so much about everyone All these people in this that ended up playing key roles in saving all of humanity in this fantasy world were people who had initially been like gunning for the power themselves or operating on someone else's behalf and had to be organized into being a part of this massive effort. And I was like, oh, that's something that organizers really need to see and understand, like, and you'd have to watch it all up to that. And then I think that's what made this last the last three episodes for me so complex, because I was like, oh, and then we see people start start splitting out again and turning on each other again after having come right. together in such a, a powerful way. Um, and what I is s- it?
0: I think Tyrion uh-huh. has an interesting line in there at some point, like after the Battle of Winterfell, I think he's he says something along those lines of like, well, now now we've dealt with. Yeah. you know the greatest threat to all of humanity we yes. now we just have to contend with each other exactly. and it's like this interesting like queuing up that like yeah. yep and we're not going to be able to do that well <laughs>
1: yeah spoiler alert we don't so there's there's another thing I love that um that moment when Sansa's uncle I can't remember what his his name is now but Edmund he, Tully thank you Edmund Tully when Edmund Tully stands up and begins to give the kind of I don't know I felt like kind of Beto Rourke and like you know it just oh, I just could like, like maybe like maybe, maybe it's maybe me, me. Like, maybe like maybe I meant to and she was just like uncle please sit and then like so first of all that's a new t-shirt and then he bangs his sword like literally bangs his sword against some, like his long big phallic object against something on the way to sit down <laughs> I was just like enjoyable I'm enjoying this exactly you know that was and on a meta level I do like that ultimately the people that we were given at the very beginning of this arc as the good people the Starks who also happen to be like who I felt like black people mostly kind of aligned ourselves with as like those completely Starks, you know um that they're running <laughs> Dem Starks right I was just like Game of Thrones Game of Blacks Game of Starks right so mm-hmm. um so those are some of the things that I really found that I felt I felt really grateful for um can I say something oh about and the... did I mention Aria's throw did we talk about Aria's outfit oh you didn't yet but okay. talk about Aria's throw Aria sure. slash my it. fur throw um that I thought was <laughs> so fantastic I love how it went like how f- I was again I was just like where did this come from like because the again, you know, time is so magical in a magical world, but it was epic. Are you putting on a throw? Wow. Okay. First of all, my listeners, my <laughs> listeners, right now, because your listeners probably a- anticipated you doing this. I want you to know that Autumn just reached across to who knows where and pulled a magical throw over her body a that looks like throw. a fur throw. That
0: where did you get? Sh- why? Why do okay, you have okay, my throw? Let, let me explain this to you. <laughs> I need to so why in you're in my about. Clothes. In about an hour and a half, I'm about to be hosting a webcast on behalf of Ayorta, oh, right, um, right. debriefing so you're doing that. debriefing the the Game of Thrones finale with brilliant. some other like brilliant nerdy people. And I have been like experimenting with my costume for the evening, and so I have this amazing fur throw. I think I'm gonna like pull together a Jon Snow look. I haven't decided exactly how okay. far I'm gonna go, but this is part well, of it. I just want to
1: suggest that if there are baking sheets in that house, then you could grab a baking sheet and strap it to your body and be a this plate. And I don't think it's too far. I don't think it's too it's far. It's not too far. I just need some um, duct tape. But please go ahead. Talk about Aria's oh, throw. Wait. So Arya's throw was incredible. And, and just her look was incredible. And I really felt like, um, I felt really grateful that like her, the killing that she needed to do, like whatever she needed to do to avenge the harms that had been done to her, it felt like, a period was put on that storyline and Hmm. I feel grateful for that, that like we weren't having to watch her continuously keep, you know, it's like, I went to kill Cersei. She's done. You know, like the Hound, everybody, okay, cool. Like, I guess it's just me here, you know? And, and I felt some freedom possible for her after years of like responding to non-stop trauma and trying to just fight back it felt like suddenly what is her life going to be like if she's not fighting back against other people but I yeah. think there's some some complex stuff to get into about where well, is she actually going
0: <laughs> so this is an actual like feels like a good transition into like the sort of disappointments oh, wait. and surprises one thing before
1: because- we su- one thing before that pivot I just want to say I was grateful to see the direwolf come back and actually get pet I was so pissed oh. last time when Jon Snow just like looked at the direwolf and was like peace and I was like wait this diary will like, survive some zombies, and you can't even, like, go, like, rub him on the ear? Oh.
0: Like, look at his ear. Okay. Just give him a hug. That's
1: um, exactly. So, okay, but, but now pivot yeah, to disappointment. So,
0: <laughs> the, just on that Aria tip that, like, one of the things that I found, uh, well, I haven't decided if this is more in the surprise or more in the disappointment category. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But one of the things that I did find really surprising is that we didn't get to see Arya don a mask this season yes. as a part of her, like,
1: I'm shocked. a masterful
0: assassin person. Um, and I felt like they were really, I mean, it, it felt, you know, it's on purpose, right? They really teed us up to think that she was going to um, be take responsible. On, yeah. I I thought think that she, was, she was take on? I thought she was going to be the person responsible for killing Danny. Um, I, I thought she was going to do both Cersei and Danny. I thought she was going to take on
1: Jamie's face and kill Cersei, and then I thought she was going to take on Grey Worm's face. Um, like I thought maybe that was her as Grey Worm in the last scene, and then they showed us her, and I was like,
0: oh, okay, hmm. yeah. Huh. And I feel like I feel like maybe I I, I can imagine the showrunners sort of making the call that like either of those decisions would have felt too obvious to yeah. or too like. Too easy or whatever to the audience, but 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 regardless, it was sort of interesting to be like. I mean, obviously, it was awesome to watch her make the badass move of killing the Night King at the end of the Battle of Winterfell. Exactly. Even though very
1: satisfied. Even
0: though there were like so for me, there felt like there were so many plot holes over the course of that entire episode that made it sort of feel like. Okay, what is going on with Bran under the tree? Why is he just like flying around with crows in the air? I don't understand. But anyway,
1: yeah. <laughs> but well, because my whole thing with Bran, I mean, I'll say this: I do feel like I think what you're what you've just said about the plot holes. Like to me, that's the issue with season eight, right? Because yep. I'm like, yep. I don't understand. And I don't know if I ever will understand because it seems like the show creators don't ever want to tell us this. But I'm like, I don't understand why for something so epic and so massive where every other season has been eight episodes or more that you wouldn't just give us a strong eight episode closing season or possibly even a 10 episode season. Like there's just so many different storylines and there's so many beautiful interactions between people that I think needed more space, needed more time. And so I felt the same thing where I was like, I can intuit, or I can kind of, not to intuit, I mean, I can deduce that, like, because Bran has some connection with the Night King, some psychic connection that he has with all existence, apparently, that there's Mm -hmm. a way that, you know, him being the bait that is going to pull the Night King over into a space of vulnerability, like I get all that, right? right? I understand, I can I can deduce that the crows are one of the ways he goes out, you know, he sends out the message of the Night King's like, oh, okay, that's where you are? Mm. Bet, right? I'm coming there. Like, but I'm like, I'm having to figure this out. And I'm smart. I'm smart. But I also i <clears> am <throat> like, I shouldn't be working quite this hard for how much y'all have paid to create these very excellent shows. Like, just make it a little right. bit more clear. Yeah, there so, was a yeah. lot.
0: There was a, there was a lot of of errors obviously over the course of this season which you know I'm I'm excited for us to get into but but there was as you were talking earlier about um how much you love that the battle of Winterfell episode I will say too that like one of the things that I really appreciated in that episode is not only like witnessing the way various characters really play their position in order yeah. to participate in this collective defeat of the armies of the dead and the night king himself but also the ways that like each of these the particularly the characters who were on very individualistic journeys yes um find their journeys end in a very in a in in collective service
1: exactly and
0: I mean, Theon being like the perfect example of that, that like his exactly. entire his entire journey over the course of the whole series is a very individualistic journey that's very much about like descending yes. into darkness and then trying to find redemption and all these yeah. things. Um, but even Arya's journey as well, because Arya is also a character who's, who's on a very individualistic journey and her whole yeah. orientation to like mastering the skill of assassination yeah. is very much... She's doing that very much because she wants to seek revenge against people who have harmed her and her family, not because she's necessarily interested in like the broader conditions or changing the broader conditions or the broader institutions that are influencing the society itself. Right. But and yet that skill that she hones very carefully over years still ends up in the service of collective good. And like that was one of the things that I really appreciated about that episode.
1: Same thing. I mean, I felt the same way about Melisandre, which is like that thing of of just showing up and being like, "Okay, like, y'all don't even understand the shit that I'm doing. Like, I'm serving this whole other God. Like, y'all are not even on this. And then showing (laughs) up and being like, but I will light up all the Dothraki's Um, I will come out and actually get scared myself. You know, like, I mean, there were just moments like that where she was just like, (laughs) You know, um, this is this. I guess is what I'm supposed to do is come here mostly to remind Aria about her purpose, right? And I just felt right. like those kind of moments were very interesting to me. And and we're giving me so much hope about the capacity of the show to hold the complexity of, of powerful women, particularly like moments like that where she's like, listen, honey, remember how I gave you a little bit of prophecy before? Like, this is that moment, like, this you know, or Arya telling Sansa, like, here's what you do with something. You know, here's how you protect yourself or like just these moments of like Sansa, I recognize you're the smartest woman. In right. Westeros and also you don't know how to fight. I do. Here's what you need to do. Like those kind right. of moments were so powerful. So that was part of why I felt the disappointment I felt when it it felt like, okay, and then they came up to like the edge of knowing how to write complex women. And I wanna say, like, I really seriously, I just I wish they had the cojones to have Danny just fly over burn Cersei's face off and then have to get in right relationship with Arya and Sansa I still think they could have burnt the Iron Throne I think it would have been powerful and possible to have those women actually run things and have Bran as like their spiritual advisor like that Mm. to me would have made a lot of sense as a way that this all ended that still protected the dignity of someone like Daenerys who has been traumatized since the moment she came onto the screen like that's what her character has been has been the woman who was sold the woman who who was raped the woman who was betrayed the woman who was abandoned the woman who was left the woman who turns out to be the aunt of the only man she ever loved or the Mm -hmm. second man she ever loved like it's and all of her children die all of her children are being attacked dying her best friend has just been beheaded in front of her by someone that she showed up you know to, to parlay with like the whole thing is just like you know she had to watch her baby shot out of the sky I mean like there's so many reasons why this woman would be like no fuck all of you like literally no human except for one that's dead and like my dragon you know who I whoever I feel you know I feel like she feels her dragons as like a human beyond human connection right so I'm like no one else has had my back Like, no one else has had my back, but y'all want me to have the back of your whole species? Like, no, you know? Like, to me, there was so much that made sense about her rage, but then the way they played it out, that it was like, when a woman is that angry, the only option is madness. And so the only thing she can do is genocide. And I'm like, no, that's what a man would have done in those circumstances. I'm not convinced that that was the only option for what she could have done in those circumstances. Mm,
0: mm, So that mm.
1: felt like the biggest disappointment to me that led into then this finale where I was like, yeah, someone has to take her out now. Having done that, she cannot live. Like we can't have her live. And and but I do say the moment when she comes out the first time with the dragon wings opening up behind her that was I was like,
0: girl, you know. I mean, I was her like, outfit also total fire. You know what I'm saying? Like the fashion, like, you know. Girl, even inside yeah. of all of the mass murder scenes, the fashion of this whole last two <laughs> episodes is like amazing. Yeah. I can't believe I said that out loud, but, um but yeah, well, I, mean, I mean, that's I, why
1: we watch fantasy shows. So occasionally we can have thoughts and feelings <laughs> like that, and then just keep it moving. I have I to mean, say, yeah, I just today,
0: so. I just today read um, this article that was published a few days ago in the Scientific American called The Real Reason Game of Thrones Fans Hate the Final Season. Ooh. And it's <laughs> an Because are just excellent... disappointed it's ending or what? <laughs> well, no, but it's actually an excellent article because it basically points out that like the big shift that happens in the series, which happens at the point where the series gets ahead of the books. Yes, And is exactly. basically in the hands of these Hollywood writers. Exactly. Is that- the show shifts from being, from telling a sociological story in which the character arcs and choices are heavily influenced by the institutions and conditions yes. to being a psychological story, which where mm. the character arcs and choices are driven by internal motivations of the lead characters. Ooh, and that, like, that's good. And that, like, that shift happens basically because American TV writers don't know how to write stories that are sociological that's that like right. the, the the typical way that a tv writer writes is like inside the head of the lead characters and and interestingly the the person who wrote this article made the point that like one of the ways that we know that that narrative shift happens is that they stop killing off the characters that we care exactly. about most right exactly. away right exactly. whereas like a story a story that follows like a a story that's being told through a sociological lens can get, can easily get away with killing off characters that we love without missing a beat in the story because that's not what the story is actually about. So you that's, see That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so anyway, so it was really interesting to me to see to see that article after having all these feelings about like what they did with Danny's character because exactly. I'm like, yeah, like um You know, I there is this interesting thing that's happening obviously over the course of the whole last season, which is like Cersei and Danny are beginning to mirror each other more and more as powerful women in leadership who are walking with and carrying all of this extraordinary like trauma and brutality. And Cersei is like motivated primarily by the desire to like protect her family. And then, you know, and then like gets really twisted inside of that and then like Danny is motivated by this like liberation ideology but then fails to see the ways that she's like actually reenacting tyranny through even inside of her like revolutionary ideology and like you see them bringing these characters closer and closer into like a mirror relationship with each other and then it feels like It feels like the possibility to deal with that in a complex way just like falls off the edge of the earth. Well, because I
1: I mean, I'm thinking about those quotes, right? Like, like even in the last episode, you know, Daenerys comes out and she says, The world we need won't be built by men loyal to the world we have. It's not easy to see something you've never seen before. Like, all of that, I'm like, that is a revolutionary thing to say. Like, it's a revolutionary text. And then she immediately follows it when John is like okay but like what about the people he's like they don't have a choice she says they don't have a choice and I'm like those two things literally don't go together right like (laughs) but that's the thing and that's where I was like oh she's kind of like Killmonger right she's kind of like Israel right like there's this way that it's like we are gonna create something that is you know after having all this trauma we're gonna create something that we think will make us safe and and then that'll be you know like it's just like that's not how it works like Absolute power cannot be a safety mechanism for anyone. But I'm really sad that they did do that mirroring of Cersei Danny and then having all these, like, sort of broken white men, you know, Tyrion and John, all looking at each other like, you know, I mean, John literally. At the end, to me, looks like someone who's like, I'm in a relationship with this very abusive person and like, poor me, I cannot figure out how to do this. And I'm just like, so you end the show with all of these white men who seem to be embodying goodness, embodying reason, embodying like the bigger man, you know, like I'm the bigger person. It's like, them,
0: they've been victimized by the women in their lives. Exactly. Mm. And the women are
1: left to look like either (laughs) evil or completely insane or even at their best. Like, you know, I think Sansa gets kind of the best look and is still like master manipulator, master strategist, like, you know, not just like straight up, like, also good, right? Like, because to me, Sansa is like that G, you know, Sansa is like, I am just committed to place-based organizing and place-based leadership. I like to be responsible <laughs> and accountable to my own people who I'm in relationship with and have been in relationship. She's the grassroots rural organizer. She she is. I, I saw. Okay, so that meme, the set, the set of memes that I think. It's the poor people's campaign, like Utah poor people's Utah. campaign, mm-hmm. put it together, and it's so good. Like I, I, I keep being like, oh, what images do we need to put? We might need to put all of those images as like the images for this show. So um, but I feel like she's not just the world Like she almost feels like an indigenous rural organizer, right? Like she's very much like it's about these people who belong to this place and know this place and understand this place. We are loyal to right. this place, and you guys are playing this game that. That tries to pretend like all these kingdoms can be held under one throne, which doesn't even make sense to me. Like, we we just need to operate on our own. Right. And I thought that moment was <clears throat> such, I, like, to me, that was such a powerful moment and kind of the only way I could say you can get away with having Bran as the king and not Sansa. Because I'm like, Sansa's the most strategic person here. Right. But right. she don't want it. Right
0: right she's Um, like I'm just gonna stay up
1: here with my people
0: yeah it did and you know and it was it was an easy acceptance for Bran and I loved it
1: oh yeah Bran was just like I can't believe I'm gonna do this anyway like no I don't even know how to talk to people like that was the other part that's so funny he he literally (laughs) has just stared into space and not been able to communicate for all of it and all of a sudden he's like actually quite coherent boss bitch like in the house ready to do that like I was just like (laughs) although I love
0: also let the like the final scene where he like meets with his high council and it's like oh you know what the best thing that I can do right now is go off in a room by myself and see if I can warg into Drogon. He's like, he's like I'm just gonna see if I can find Drogon Y'all with can some figure out the money piece. And, you
1: know, that felt like kind of a surprise to me as a as a possibility was like having someone who ends up in leadership who has like these mythical powers and that they're not mythical powers of violence, right? Which was like Danny's right. relationship with the dragons was like, Okay, the mythical power that you have, you don't know how to fight or protect yourself. But you do have this dragon and, like, you have this tie with this dragon. And you, you have a super burned, weapon. Right? Right. Yes. I think that's what you were talking about. That is, like, a nuclear power. Right? Like right. Like, so mm-hmm. this this
0: was this interesting thing I was thinking about last night and that, like, um, I just because I've been thinking about, like, what does this show have to say about, like, how power corrupts and and thinking about Danny particularly as this, like leader who understands herself to be visionary understands herself to be a revolutionary speaks the language of revolution and liberation, but also has this super weapon that no one else has access to that. And so she's capable of like a destruction on a scale that no one else can create. And she, and so there's a way that her character arc for me also really feels like the best read on U.S. politics because U.S. global politics because like the U.S. government similarly speaks the language of democracy sees itself as a shining city on a hill sees itself as like telegraphing democratic ideals all over the globe meanwhile it's capable of and acts regularly on a capacity for destruction extraction imperialism colonialism that no one else like no other power is capable of acting on quite in the way that we I are able that. to and I so I feel like that's
1: the thing that's it's like privilege right like to me this is the essence of privilege is like when people are like i see myself as a victim I only see myself as a victim. If anything ha- ha- bad happens to me, it's white tears or whatever it is, right? It's like I can only see that. But actually, I'm the most powerful person in the room. And it's actually just entitlement. Exactly. Yeah. And like that's the that whole thing, deep. right?
0: Tyr- Tyrion and Varys keep having conversations about this over the course of the yeah. whole series, of like they recognize that Danny, that part of the problem with Danny is that she believes herself. To have this destiny she believes that she was born to do this and so it's like so she feels entitled to to entitled to destroy if she has to in order to get her needs met
1: although here is a place where and I might I might be stretching I might be reaching but what the fuck right so we're the show writers but I feel like there's a certain (laughs) parallel for me with like Beyonce and capitalism and Daenerys and power in this so okay this is go ahead I'm gonna follow follow you out on this follow me out onto the limb and then just let me if I'm if I'm wrong I'll let you fall by yourself though treat me like (laughs) (laughs) Tyrion. exactly be like bitch now you need to be the hand um but I feel like you know so capitalism exists capitalism exists capitalism exists Beyonce comes along she's like I'm literally the best at what I've ever you know I just I'm here to slay I'm here to be the best I'm here to be the queen I'm here to like give you everything I've got and then people get pissed at her because she's also like financially like successful inside of all that right Mm -hmm. and it's like she's a black genius Olympic athlete kind of performer we don't have anyone else who's doing that at all. But I'm so for me, I'm just like, don't be mad at her for besting the game. She didn't create the game. She was born into Mm -hmm. this game that Mm -hmm. we're all born into. And we're all playing it at different degrees, you know, because right. Except for, you know, the few people who are like, I'm living off the grid with zero dollars. Right. I'm like the majority of everyone else is in some way playing this game, but then getting mad at her for like excelling in it. And I felt a little bit like that with Daenerys where I was like, she didn't create this game. She didn't build this throne. She didn't, engaged in most of the situation right she was just like i was born and immediately sold into a situation that i had to figure out how do i survive then Mm. when i every single time i have found any kind of safety or stability it has been swept away from me and so finally i figured out a way to accumulate some power and i want to use my power to make sure that other people don't get stuck in the situation and then it all gets twisted right but i'm like she didn't create the throne and i feel like there's this way that's like she gets so punished and she gets treated like um She gets treated like an insane person for basically doing the same thing that almost every other person who's aiming for power was doing or would have done if they had had a dragon. Like if Cersei had had a dragon, she would have been flying around burning everything up a long time ago without half of the things that were happening, right?
0: I... I think this is a really interesting analogy, and I think okay, I'm that compl- glad you're not just letting me fall off. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm not going <laughs> to let you fall by yourself because you're my sister, and I don't want to feel responsible for your death. So you're like, um, let's all fall but, together. Okay. I, I, but I think the thing that complicates it, right, is going back to the privilege and entitlement analogy for Danny, because because then it's like if you're if you're looking at it through that lens, then you can see how she still has a responsibility, yeah, to be in right relationship with what she did come into the world with access to, right? And so, like, right. so, so, right, all these, it's like the white working class, it's like all these bad things did happen to her, yes. <laughs> and it's also, true. yeah, she still had these dragons.
1: That. No, I see, I see, I mean, she didn't come into the world like she didn't come in with the dragons, though. It's not, yeah, like but they were just, just like, gifted like, to her at her them. wedding, and then she was just the like, let I think let me burn some shit up. more thing she came in with was being a part of a bloodline that was, yes, in line for the Iron Throne, right? Right, to me, like, the dragons that she, you know, g- being given dragon eggs. I don't think that would have mattered if she wasn't one of the Targaryens who happened to have that magical connection to the dragons, totally. right? Because any other bitch got those dragon eggs, she'd be like, "I got some dragon eggs." Beyonce literally has some dragon eggs. You know, it's like whatever, right? Um, Beyonce I mean, not has literally, you know, because dragons aren't real. But like Jay Z bought herself kind of <laughs> dragon egg type thing, right? So oh, you know, but see, she's not a Targaryen. Partnership. I mean, that's partnership, you know. He's like, look, let me back in the lot, like, let me back in your love, right? So you mm-hmm. got to really go far, but. I do feel like that piece (laughs) to me that piece is the most intriguing piece of it is like at the end of the day even with everything she went through she was born with this privilege right and so having been born with that privilege and then to come up into this situation where it's like okay and this I feel like was one of the biggest surprises to me is that it's like oh but John actually actually is in line right ahead of you and the fact that she was like I love you but I won't it didn't, it didn't ever like really land for them that like partnership might be possible here. Like we're right. two people who are in line for this throne and we're super in love with each other. Like why can't this just be a thing? And that's another thing married. that I thought was a real plot hole to me in these last episodes was like they're having this beef and I'm like, why not just like, I, you know, and I couldn't tell if it was like once he got the auntie news, I felt like they played this really mysteriously when it could have been much more clear was, like, he turned off by that or just, like, I can't tell what to do or it's, like, wrong or, like, what's happening, right? Because she was just sort of, like, inconvenient, but, you know, you're my boo, right? We didn't grow up knowing this shit. Like, let's just keep it moving. And he's, like, uh, you know, I don't know what to do. And, like, he felt like he went into very – I'm not going to call out any particular astrology, but he felt like he got into a very confused zone, right? Where he was like,
0: <laughs> You're like, I'm not going to call out any particular sign. I'm not going mean, to And we already know, we already know from earlier seasons that, like, Jon Snow is dealing with some, like, sexual repression stuff anyway. Seriously. And so, like, it did, yeah. it did feel, like, a little bit like, oh, there's something more complex going on here in terms of, like... You know, in the context of this medieval ass fantasy show with all exactly. these siblings and cousins fucking each other, like you can't figure out how to make this work. <laughs> well, exactly.
1: I was like, in y'all's context, I, I I'm really curious about this, right? And like the fact that I
0: mean, I shouldn't be arguing for this, but like no, it did feel I sort mean, of like what just why like, it's not
1: right. I think it's <laughs> the thing that's interesting to me is like it's not right even in that world. Like people you know, people judge Cersei and Jamie, but Jamie's still like, but we still doing it, right? You know, like I just <laughs> think it's interesting that John is like I think that there's something I think that what could have been explored with a little bit more time is that what's happening is John is actually traumatized by this reality. Like that's like I have fallen in love with someone and I feel actually traumatized by this being what's happening and I still love this person but this is also my aunt and this is like where are the power dynamics of this because we're the same age like what are the power dynamics that are going on this is very confusing and I I really thought that could have used a lot more space um, I think we're again with the fact that there like, should have been like 10 episodes instead of six hello exactly I was like there's room but I think this is transitioning us now into kind of like what were the surprises because that to me was a big surprise that at no point there wasn't just a let's have that conversation or let's have that fight right it's just like you know for her because I feel like at the end she was like come still be my loyal subject while we go like burn down the whole world right right and I feel like instead it would have been interesting to be like we are peers like, let's be peers, right? And that, right. It was like, does she just not see him that way? Or, you know, because he's like, I don't want the throne, but I, I don't know what I do want. <laughs> you know, it just felt like I just want peace. I just want chill. Like he, His purpose yeah. felt so much clearer when it was like against the Night King.
0: Yeah, it's interesting to think about the fact that like part of the arc of his character involves him losing a sense of purpose after the yes. Night King is defeated. Um and then his only purpose becomes like following Danny. And like yeah. that like that's actually not enough of a purpose for any one person. Exactly. And and actually that feels like a sort of like underlying um, question I think of the entire series exactly. that like for which characters does it feel like enough of a purpose to be following someone and for which characters is it not and there's yeah. some really interesting racialization I think there in terms of which characters can I get away like that with that was where the deepest race stuff came into this because I was like yes. okay so like it's enough for Grey Worm and Melis and, and, and Missandei Missandei. to basically exist primarily yes. to serve Danny to serve whereas and like all, all of these all other char- folks right like all all the Dothraki all the Unsullied
1: they're all like okay we are stepping for this queen and even though we're in a foreign to, land that has exactly.
0: nothing to do with us exactly but then you have but, all these but then you yeah. have all these white characters who are like who are in theory supposed to for for all sets of reasons that have to do with loyalties to her family should be even more loyal to her yes. and yet are constantly questioning whether or not they should actually be serving her basically because right. she's a woman
1: Yes. Well, and I think there's something in, I mean, I think this is the thing that has happened for the entire show, right? Which I feel like has been a critique that I've heard throughout the entire time and I felt the entire time, which is like having this white haired white queen be the one who's like freeing all the slaves and has these magical powers is like, it's concerning, right? Um, It's like, (laughs) what would it have looked like to have Missandei, you know, actually be the one who has all these powers and is the like you know half ba- half black child of one of these people you know like I'm just like there's ways mm. that that could have mm-hmm. been played and it would have been really good really fascinating really interesting although I love Khaleesi like I'm not I'm still not I'm never going to actually give up team Khaleesi I'm just going to be like I think they yeah. miswrote Khaleesi and I'm just going to wait for George R. R Martin to come back and correct it um, but mm. in the surprise <laughs> realm I felt really surprised by the number of Dothraki and Unsullied that suddenly showed up in that square at the end, where I was like, as far as I remember, now I might not Didn't have it all together because I get was y'all but I out feel like by the Dothraki White Walkers. with their literal flames going, went f- driving against the White Walkers, and like four came back with one horse. And then all of a sudden, they were just there <laughs> with like basically the entire... It seemed like all the Dothraki that ever existed were back in there just chilling and partying. And then the same with the Unsullied. Like I was like, the number of Unsullied that we, we've we ever seen at their max amount, it felt like maybe like eight ninths of that was in that square. But I'm like, but I remember the Battle of Winterfell. And I just remember it going a little differently. So exactly. I was very surprised felt by how like they just kept playing with the numbers. Like we don't have brains and pay attention and like we don't rewind.
0: You know what it felt like to me? was a plot hole that they allowed for because they had like they realized that what they were up to with the Battle of Winterfell was some racial shit where they put all the people of color exactly. on the front lines. And it and felt like they just tried the to correct people. for it by being people. like, actually mm-hmm. all them are still alive. That's what happened. That's right. So I <laughs> felt like that was a big surprise. I felt like it was
1: a huge surprise that they didn't kill John immediately. Um when they whenever who found Are you okay? <laughs>
0: What the fuck? Did you just get overwhelmed? I just got overwhelmed. I was trying to stretch my leg, and I kicked my own headphones out of my ears. Okay, good. Because it looked like you got really... I'm back. Okay, I'm back. So the other thing that really shocked
1: me was that they let John live. Like, that John was still alive, you know, when Grey Worm or... Like, I... You know, again, plot hole. I'm like, that would have been a great scene to see. Or, like, that would have been great to just understand, like, what happened there. Did John just, like... Because John just, like, many times would just sit there, like, okay, dragon, like, what you gonna do? But... As far as I understand, so this is another thing that I'm like, why didn't this ever get tested or shown? If Daenerys and the Night King are the other two people who can ride a dragon and they're not burnable, then Mm -hmm. why in the Battle Battle of Winterfell was John like ducking the fire every five seconds and then in this, standing there, you know, like it just felt like, because I was like, John can't be burnt if he's actual dragon people. He's, He's all good.
0: Well, I mean, the fe- unfortunately, I think the thing that was established in, with the death of um, the Ceres in the very first season is that being a Targaryen doesn't necessarily mean that you can't be burned and so there's oh. no way to know for sure like we don't we can't know and we wouldn't know until someone tried to set john on fire we just can't know whether he can't be burned we can suspect that we he probably try to, can't like, burn be...
1: his finger and just see what happens that's we what i would do we can suspect
0: it based on the fact that he had already been brought back from the dead once that he probably also has some magical powers okay. but it never gets confirmed well i thought that that's what happened like i was
1: really pleased with drogon just being like okay Listen, human beings. I'm not fucking with y'all no more, and nobody's going to get this throne at right. all. Bring and I'm taking her down body with to me. Lava. And I just want to say that your brilliant child understood Game of Thrones, and I just need you to take take everybody down this journey.
0: Okay, this is so amazing. People who don't, like, follow me on Facebook, which is most people, um, <laughs> wouldn't know this. Because <laughs> um, you don't know, know me this. like that. Because <laughs> you don't know me like that. But wouldn't know this. But the the uh, just an hour or so before the show started, I posted on Facebook about this conversation I had with Finn a couple of days ago. Finn has never watched Game of Thrones, um, but knows about it just because he, like, lives in the world. And... He was asking me who I was predicting would end up on the Iron Throne, and I was sharing with him my predictions. And then he was like, I don't think anyone's going to sit on the Iron Throne because I think it's going to get broken. (sighs) And I was like, huh, that's so interesting, Finn. You're the first person I've heard predict that. And then what the fuck happens? The throne actually gets melted to the goddamn ground. And I was just like... My child is a genius, yes. genius child, so smart, um, and it's so
1: smart because he plays all those games where it's all about strategy. Like
0: he thinks about strategy all the time. But I was like, exactly. Dang, Just that's like, brilliant. yeah, that is actually the most strategic thing if we want to actually liberate people. Um, yeah. So the other thing what that I wanted to name you? on, well, especially related to this scene with John where he kills. Danny, and then like doesn't get burned up by the dragon. Um, One of the things that I thought was kind of surprising is that, you know, there's this other thread in the stories about this other prophecy about the prince who was promised. Um, And, and a lot of people were predicting that John was going to fulfill this prophecy because like the prophecy says that the prince who was promised will like come into power by driving a sword or a knife or something into the heart of his beloved and that's exactly what he does right like he drives a sword into or a knife into danny's heart um and so it's just it was interesting and surprising to me that like that that happens but then the show makes the choice that like he then doesn't end up on the throne he then doesn't end up holding the seat of power right cuz like yeah. another another way that that whole scene could have gone is that Drogon then attempts to burn him alive can't and then Jon climbs on Drogon's back and then becomes the dragon king or whatever the fuck right which may
1: have been the original ending cuz you know the whole thing is that they said they had some ending and it got leaked or got discovered and so then they changed it which a lot of people oh. feel is
0: why we have this version but that's really interesting and you know and obviously like that would have been an easy ending and in some ways also a lot less satisfying because we would have ended up with a white man who didn't really know what he was doing on the throne. Um, right. And so, right. cause, it, right. cause this is my whole thing about Jon Snow. The whole season eight is that like, everyone's trying to make the argument that like he would actually be the better leader based on no evidence whatsoever. It's like, just because you know how to lead people into battle doesn't mean that you are necessarily cut out to be like the ruler of like, whatever the six or seven kingdoms no, you and know I like don't people, even know I was what like, well we-
1: he doesn't want it and that makes for a good person I'm like not necessarily and I say this as someone who's also <laughs> like I never want to be in charge of anything and that's because that's not my leadership quality like I'm like exactly I know great leaders I support them to be great leaders I don't do that right I'm like it's I you know and I think I love that John there is says, an like, element I of I wanting nothing. it that does help Yes, right. Well, there's an element of wanting it that also sometimes leads you to prepare for it. And I feel like with John, even like his, like, you know, going into battle, like I'm like, he's not necessarily been a great leader of others into battle. Like he just is magically like, I will come through, right? Like he's, he's tireless when it comes to, you know, he's basically got stamina. He's a great lover, right? Mm. Not a fighter, Mm. right? Anyway, Mm. so Mm -hmm. I think the Mm -hmm. other thing that was a big surprise to me was all those people showing up all of a sudden there. Um, that it was like, okay, so Sansa, Arya, <laughs> Bran, <laughs> Emmon. Um, you know the Iron Throne folks like it's basically like, all of a sudden everybody's just like hey. the Iron Island folks yeah Iron Island oh yeah sorry Iron Island folks it was like what up though like we're here now and so once again it was like the magical thing of like how does time work in Game of Thrones how do people travel like how did they even get the message that it was like alright King's Landing had been burnt the fuck up everybody dead come on through we're gonna talk about this power <laughs> shit right <laughs> It just felt like I was really surprised. I was like, "Wait, I don't think we earned getting to this council." Um, I don't know why we're in well, the middle of this location right now. Um, and I was and like, then having this Tyrion to come you. out, where I was just like, "Okay, Tyrion, who you know, Tyrion is the transformative justice character of this show. I think like he's the one who's like has been wronged, has done wrong, you know, has said, look, 'Look, I've done wrong.'" hold me accountable. I'm ready to be, you know, killed in whatever way. And then they're like, no, you're, you're going to actually be in service to the community. You're going to be in service to, um, humanity for the rest of your life. And it's not necessarily going to be enjoyable. Um, but I really liked the surprising, the laughter at the suggestion of democracy. That was one of my favorite moments of the show.
0: That was really funny and I have to say in terms of the like the time scale problem of the show which has I think been a problem all along um, it was really funny because I was like the only indicator they gave us for how much time has passed was how much Tyrion's beard had grown out but like it hadn't even grown out that much so it's sort of like that could be two days or two weeks I don't know exactly
1: well and I have to say as someone who I don't pay that much attention to beard scheduling I, I it didn't land I didn't pick up on that as was like <laughs> The <laughs> time has passed indicator. Like, I was just like, this he looks kind of scruffy. You know, doesn't he yeah. always look a little scruffy? Um, but yeah, so I feel like that to me, I also want to say just a brief thing, the surprise of like, I kind of thought there was a chance that Cersei and Jamie weren't actually dead or that like Jamie had somehow blocked Cersei. I don't know. I just was like, I'm not totally convinced that they're actually gone. And I thought the surprise of like, just him going down there and the, the surprise of his emotion, you know, there was so much love and so much tenderness and so much real grief in there that I was like, you know, I think you spoke about this uh, maybe last night, <laughs> but it was just like the beauty of his acting of what Peter Dinklage brought to the table was just beautiful. I mean, he was just yeah, incredible I mean, and deep and complex and like steady. Yeah.
0: And this is sort of segueing us into, like, hopes, but, yes. like, I have to say, to me, the one of the greatest gifts of this series is the rising star of Peter Dinklage, who um, I think many people have argued, and I think correctly, that, like... It is basically his acting prowess that carried this entire last season, um, when a lot of other things weren't working. But he delivered some like stunning performances. I think that in the final episode, they really overly relied on him and gave I him agree. like way like too many monologues. It was like by the fifth monologue, it was sort of like I why are we still making him monologue at everyone? It's like just it's not like, fair we to we Peter need to make him monologue. Um, he's been but he's been busted up. He's been, he's been he's been and he's been carrying y'all all season. But I do think that like. His performances were just so consistent, beginning to end, so powerful. I yes. can't wait to see what else he does as an actor. Like, he is just so and incredible. I felt
1: so much hope in that last episode that he's a Virgo, because that moment when he got up and straightened the chairs and was just sort of like, here's yeah, that how was the super table Virgo needs to moment. look, it just made my heart warm. Um, I want to say a few other hopes I have. I really hope that Brienne goes back and adds herself to that book of knights and, like, her story and isn't just, like, a heartbroken woman written the, writing the history of, like, her fuckboy. I really want her to go back and, and like, mm-hmm. tell her incredible story. Yeah. Um, First woman
0: knighted ever. Ever. Rises That's to the top kind of a to become the head of the Kingsguard. Eh, Hello. Exactly. That's a
1: big deal. So I feel hopeful about that. I feel hopeful that when they rebuild the castle, it's going to be wheelchair accessible for Bran and for yes. all people who need wheelchairs. Yeah. Um, I feel really hopeful about Arya's line that it feels like she's able to get free and go like whatever y'all are up to here. I want to go beyond that. And it's interesting because in the last 24 hours, I've seen people like, no, she's going off to Columbus. She's going off to be colonial. And I was like, I totally did not read it that way because she's so not interested in having power over others. And like, that's never something she's expressed as like, I want to rule or control or any of that. Like, she's just like, I don't know what's out there. I'm interested. So right. I didn't read it that I seen, way. I've seen I all hope... of
0: this and I don't want to be here anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah. She's just like, all y'all fighting over everything. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so I hope that I hope that my read is actually correct and that we get some, like, Adventures of Aria that kind of feels like, you know, Ursula Le Guin wrote it, right? Like, I would be down for mm. that kind of mm. thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And then I think my last hope was just – There's a way for me that this entire show, especially once we saw the north, once we saw the wall, and we understood the winter was coming, that whole piece, I felt like there's been a big climate catastrophe analysis for me in all of it that was just sort of like there's something we humans have to all organize ourselves around that's bigger than us and that little touch of green in the snow as john and the wildlings all head north that made me feel a hopefulness that it was like okay like winter came we somehow survived it like the worst of it and like we came together in the ways that we needed to and there's a future
0: yeah that's so beautiful what a good note to end on oh my gosh I'm so sad that the series Um, is over me too Um, I'm considering whether or not it's going to mean that I have to change the way I introduce myself in the opening credits of our show. I don't I'm going to give myself a year to decide whether or not I need to self-identify as anything other than a mother of dragons. Well, Um, I think just like keep paying attention to whether your children continue to be dragonish because right now they really are. (laughs) Right. It's like, you know, also hashtag Khaleesi forever. Um, (laughs) Thanks for listening to our show. We're on Twitter and Instagram at End of the World PC. We're also on Facebook at End of the World Show.
1: If you would like to support all the heavy lift labor that we put into getting the show out to y'all, you can become a monthly sustainer at patreon.com slash
0: end of the world show. God, it is a heavy lift with this microphone in my hand. Um, another I'm helpful so thing much. you can do. <laughs> only so much. Another helpful thing you can do to help our show sustain itself is to write us a review on Apple Podcasts if you are an iPhone person. You can also write reviews in other places. I just don't know where they are, but thank you for doing that.
1: This show, How to Survive the End of the World, is edited and produced by the Hodor of our movement, Zach Rosen. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: The music for today's show is brought to you by Toondale Run, and Mother Cyborg. <laughs> and
1: us, because our little, this time I think our Marvel comic thing should be.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: hard to do at a distance <laughs> All right,
0: I think we actually got it the second time through.
1: That was—I feel really proud of my work. You helped us.
0: you got us with the snaps. Thanks, snaps. Because
1: you know what, people of color have been helping white people forever by just throwing in the snaps. App, right mm-hmm. and i work with black people you work with white people i don't know maybe there's something there
0: all right there's something there <laughs> valor margolis, <laughs> valor margolis <laughs> Tricaris, and pace <laughs> good night <laughs>